welcome back to Home Gastronomics, the podcast about a professional chef quarantined in his home kitchen during these crazy times. Okay, that just makes this a special episode. We have a great topic today that for some might change their cooking forever. And since most people are sitting at home right now, why not send us an email, a message, or a question? If you send an audio file, it may even make it on the air. We know everything is tight for a lot of people, but it would be cool if you considered becoming a patron for a small monthly donation. Now, let's get this party started. We are going to be talking about resting and carryover cooking. I don't mean resting like taking a nap while the food's in the oven. We've talked about resting a lot of times before, how you rest your meats after you remove them from the heat to let the juices reabsorb into the cellular structure of the meat, making sure that you don't have dry meat, nice, moist, on temperature. Resting is also the time after the food that has been removed from heat to allow for carryover cooking to, to occur. So the moisture being reabsorbed and carryover cooking occurring all happens at the same time. But what is carryover cooking? Carryover cooking is food continuing to cook after being removed from the heat due to retained heat. Because of this, you want to remove the food from the heat before the final cooking temperature is reached. We're going to talk about how you can tell that also. There's a science called thermodynamics, which is how heat works and everything. Now, due to that science, one of the principles there is that heat is passed from hotter areas to colder areas that are directly adjacent. Always. Always happens. Heat also transfers faster when there is a greater difference in temperature. What this says is that if there is a difference between the two temperatures of 50 degrees, the heat is going to pass faster from the hotter temperature to the colder temperature than if there was only a difference of, say, 20 degrees. So the greater the difference in temperature is going to affect that carryover cooking time as well. Because this causes temperature gradients and explains why getting a good central temperature on the meat is important. Getting that good temperature in the middle is so very vital, especially when you're trying to figure out carryover cooking. You stick your thermometer into your meat, say you're doing a roast beef, and you only stick it in like half an inch. You know, and just the tip is just on the outside, and you get a temperature, oh, it's 150 degrees, perfect, it's done. Uh, If you stuck it a couple more inches in closer to the center, you would see that it's still only 90 degrees, nowhere near done yet. And then if you had pulled it out, it would carry over, but it wouldn't get to that done point. You'd slice into it and it'd still be raw in the center because there wasn't it wasn't long enough to get that core temperature up to the point where the carryover cooking is going to finish it. So there's a lot of factors that affect carryover cooking. Some of those are the mass of the food, you know, how much weight you have, how much food there is. 
the larger amount there is, the more heat there is to go around. If you think of a steak versus a roast beef, you know, big shoulder roast or something, that shoulder roast has a lot more mass there. So as it gets hot, it retains more heat that will allow for the carryover cooking to happen. That also goes to the shape of the food. The more surface area, the more space there is to vent heat, which means that it's going to cool faster. Again, looking at a steak versus a roast. That steak has a little more surface area compared to the roast when it comes to that center, how thick that steak is versus how thick a whole roast is. So there's more space to vent that heat from the center of the meat. So it's going to cool faster. It's going to carry over faster. So those are something to think about. The last factor that's going to affect your carryover cooking is the cooking temperature. And how this works, if you think about a steak, I love talking about steaks because it gives a really good example of, of how carryover cooking works and how the little things that you do can affect it. So when you think about a steak, the basic thing that you're looking at is the higher heat, the higher oven heat or the higher grill heat, the higher the temperature difference is going to be from the outside to the inside. So that's going to equal more carryover. The lower the heat, the longer the cook time, and it has less carryover. It's all about the difference in the heat, or the, yeah, the difference in the temperatures. And you have to balance that with the browning or burning effect on the food. You know, if you throw something on super, super high heat, but because of the size, it's going to take longer, you're going to end up burnt on the outside while it's still very rare on the inside. You don't want to do that. So you really have to watch what you're doing there to make sure that you're not over-affecting the food. With the steak, what you're looking at, a lot of people will throw the grill on high heat, get that good sear on it, nice crust going on the steak. And that's what you want to do, because that'll get that get the outside heat up really good. And then once you get get it going, take temp on the inside, set inside heat gets to about you know, 115, 120, pull that puppy off and let it rest for about five minutes. And that the carryover cooking from that extreme heat on the outside to the heat on the inside will bring it all the way up to a good medium rare medium. Carryover can range from about five degrees to 20 degrees. Again, it all depends on those factors that we were talking about. The exact amount of carryover is what determines how long you should rest your food. So you figure out, based on our factors, how much the carryover is going to be, and then that's how long you should rest it. The smaller pieces of meat, like a steak, may only need to rest about five minutes to finish carryover before it starts cooling off. So you want your food to still be hot, but you want it to finish carrying over. Larger pieces, such as roasts or things along those lines, will need to rest probably about 10 to 20 minutes for carryover. 
larger pieces of meat that have been cooked for longer periods of time at potentially higher temperatures will require longer resting time. And that's all a matter of the mass. If you do something on low heat, like we were talking about, low heat, longer cook time is less carryover. We did some steaks the other day, and I was in a hurry. I didn't turn the grill on and let the grill heat up enough. So I threw the steaks on, and I didn't get that immediately immediate sizzle. And I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. I went with it, let the, let the steaks cook, cooked them the right amount of time, was checking the temperature on them, saying, okay, well, this is good. But I didn't have that extreme difference from the outside temperature to the inside temperature. So the carryover cooking happened, but it was very quick. And instead of giving that nice crust, it was a kind of a grayish steak because it cooked for a longer amount of time at that lower temperature. The inside of the steak cooked at the same rate as the outside of the steak, as opposed to the outside of the steak getting that good sear and crust on it and then carrying into the cooking on the inside. Because the grill wasn't hot enough, it cooked equally. So, let's make one thing clear, though. Everything has carryover cooking, not just meats. We talk about meats a lot, but breads, cakes, cookies, vegetables, pasta, everything has carryover cooking. If you doubt that, make a batch of chocolate chip cookies and let them sit in the oven for 12 minutes and then bring them out, let them sit for three minutes and see what they look like. See the difference in how they look. It is mind-blowing when you think about it. So knowing your goal temperature or your level of doneness of whatever you're cooking along with what your rest time and carryover is, that's going to tell you at what point or internal temperature you should stop cooking. You get a feel for it. You look and say, okay, I know this is going to be resting for 15 minutes. This is what it looks like now, loaf of bread. Okay, let me pull it out now, and it'll get that nice brown crust in the 15 minutes that it's resting. But once you know what point or internal temperature you should stop cooking, that's when you're going to pull it out of the oven, pull it off the heat, and begin to let it rest and carry over. So understanding and controlling carryover, it's going to give you a better quality food. Al dente pasta, which everyone loves at al dente pasta, and you talk about it and that's the way to do it. Moist cakes, chewy chocolate chip cookies, and juicy, succulent meats. I also want to talk a little bit today about cross-contamination. Cross-contamination is the process by which bacteria or other microorganisms, nasty things, are unintentionally transferred from one substance or object to another and ends up having a harmful effect. So this is something to be super careful about. 
I think that most instances of foodborne illness is because of cross-contamination. And it's actually so important that it's considered a key factor. Preventing cross-contamination is considered a key factor in preventing all foodborne illness. So that's vital to keep in mind. And it's not something that we think about at home very often. Yeah, at work, it's super easy. Hey, don't cross-contaminate. You know, it could cause allergies, could cause this, could cause a million other things on top of potentially killing somebody. But we don't think about it at home. You know, let me cut the apple and then same cutting board, same knife, not washing it, cut the onion. No harm, no foul. But you do want to bear in mind that some things don't go together. Anytime you handle raw meat, you want to wash your hands, wash a knife, wash the cutting board. Make sure everything is cleaned and sanitized as much as you can get it. You know, nice soap and water goes a long, long way, especially good hot water. If you change meat, say say you're doing a surf and turf. When you do the steak, you cut your steaks, but then you're going to go and cut some lobster or, or cut a fish or whatever. You want to make sure that you new cutting board or clean cutting cutting board, clean your knife, wash your hands, everything there, because you can get the cross-contamination of bacteria from one meat to the other meat. And the big thing that happens there is fish, you cook to about 145. Steak, you might cook to 130. So if you get a little bit of that fish on the steak, well, now that steak needs to be cooked to 145 to make sure it kills any bacteria that was on the fish. Chicken, another big one. Chicken is always the worst because it has to be cooked to 165 degrees. It's the highest cooking temperature of any of the proteins of any of the food, really. So you get a little bit of chicken on something and guess what? Now, now everything is well done no matter what you do to it. So you got to watch that cross-contamination. Um, and that can be the difference between, you know, if you're not thinking about it and you grab some broccoli and chop it up on the cutting board that you just cut the chicken on, well, now, now you got the choice, either throw the broccoli away and figure out something else or make broccoli soup because you got to cook it so much. You know, and that's just, it's not going to be good. It's not going to taste good. So you got to watch out for cross-contamination. That's what we've got for you this time. Thanks for tuning in, and we look forward to hearing from you. Until next episode, check out our website, www.homegastronomics.com. You can stream old episodes of the podcast as well as find our blog. Also, let's get friendly on social media. We can be found in a bunch of places. Home Gastronomics on Facebook and Instagram, or on Twitter, at TheChefChewy. Follow us there for updates on when episodes are released, food porn photos, and general shenanigans. Like us, subscribe, and drop us a review on iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and even YouTube. Of course, it would be awesome of you to become one of our patrons by visiting our site at patron.podbean.com slash homegastronomics. We'll see you next time, and keep cooking. Keep cooking.